0: Paul Kuharski Podcast is a production of Vocal and is brought to you by Picker's Vodka, Tennessee's first craft vodka. It's music to your mouth. Live from Nashville, Tennessee, welcome to the first full podcast edition of the paulkuharski.com podcast. So you've heard some of these. Our Periscope and Facebook live shows have become podcasts. But I've promised you that ultimately we were going to do a podcast that was just a podcast. And so here we are. And as good as I might be by myself, I am better working with help. And so I have recruited Madison Blevins, former intern of the Midday 180, now works in promotions at 104.5 The Zone and a good friend of mine. Madison, thanks for signing up for this. Do you know what you've gotten yourself into?
1: Uh, I'm not sure if I do, but I'm ready to get started. Thanks for having me, PK.
0: You're welcome. So what we're going to do is flip here. She's going to serve as a bit of a host and a guide, and I'm going to serve as me uh, since this is my deal. And we will be diving in here to what's gone on with the Titans over the last couple of days and where they go from here. So with no further ado, let's do this thing.
1: Yeah, well diving into this, PK, this is a very interesting but short timeline. The Titans headed to New England on Saturday, got stomped by the division by the reigning Super Bowl champions in the division round of the playoffs. And then fast forward to Sunday, we have Mike Malarkey's post season press conference. What were your thoughts when you left there on Sunday?
0: Yeah, I thought it was a disaster. I mean, he had to tell people that while they were nine and seven and while they advanced into two rounds of the playoffs, and while there was an upward trajectory with those results that uh, there were changes that need to be made to get this team in line to be uh, its best version of itself. And, and he was unwilling to do that. Uh, He, he doubled down on all of his stuff, basically saying that what they were doing was working that that uh the offensive coordinator Terry Rabisky who'd had a really bad year had done very good work that he didn't anticipate any changes to his coaching staff and that Marcus Mariota had made progress which is just factually incorrect. Um I don't know at what stage they were with contract extension talks here. But uh, it, was, it was really a disastrous press conference that led a lot, a lot of us to shake our heads and kind of confirm with each other as we walked from the, the team's auditorium into uh, the press room, kind of confirm with each other that it was as bad as we thought. Uh, and universally, we were confirming that for each other. Really a, an odd, awkward, and almost defiant uh, situation for Mike Malarkey on Sunday. I didn't know what to make of it.
1: And then Sunday night, NFL Network reported the team was discussing an extension with Malarkey. So Sunday, everyone went to bed thinking he was back.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I I figured that there was a, an outside chance. You know, this happened several years ago with um, Mike Munchak, where you know it was clear it was more public that he was being pressured to make changes to his staff, um, and he was going to sleep on it. Uh, when the extension offer came through, but it was kind of a conditional extension offer. And the next morning he went in and told them that he wouldn't do what they were asking and they mutually parted ways. So this uh, there was an outside chance of that, I guess, but given that Malarkey stood up and said what he said, I figured he'd kind of been cleared to say those things and that he was uh, speaking so freely and so confidently because he knew he was fine. I went to bed thinking he's back.
1: Well, and then Monday morning, things changed. Titans owner Amy Adams-Strunk released a statement that they had agreed to mutually part ways. How do you think that played into the decision on Sunday with questions that Malarkey answered maybe that they didn't agree
0: with? Yeah, mutual, shmutual. I mean, it's a nice way to uh, gloss it over. But he's fired there, and he's fired there – you know, for a lot of reasons that we'll delve into here. But John Robinson said at his press conference Monday afternoon, he was asked point blank, did what Mike said during that press conference contribute? Was it a factor in your ultimate decision? And he said, yes. So Mike Malarkey did, maybe didn't start digging his grave at that press conference, but he may have finished it off. and. um it was just kind of bizarre. So I don't know if he already anticipated that he wasn't going to be back. If he was making public what he had said or would say privately in terms of his belief, but it seems, it seems to me, seems to us at the midday one eighty, we've talked about it, that he was saying, "I don't really need to change." We went nine and seven, and we followed that up with nine and seven, and and advancing to the divisional round of the playoffs this thing's working. You're asking me to make changes to something that in my estimation isn't broken. And that's where Malarkey and Robinson were at odds about the the current state of the program, if you will.
1: So you're saying that you don't think this was a mutual departing at all?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's mutual in that uh, it's a mutual parting in that Malarkey could have stayed if he had done what they want. But, I mean, he signed his own ticket out of town with the refusal to do what he wanted. And the people with the hammer there are are Robinson and more so than Robinson, Amy Adams Strunk, who now, by the way, is going to pay three head coaches for the 2018 season, Ken Wisenhunt in the final year of his deal, Mike Malarkey in the final year of his deal, and whoever the new coach is in the first year of his deal.
1: So did you reach out to Malarkey? And if so, what becomes of that relationship now for you?
0: Well, I did reach out to him. I didn't expect to hear back. I sent him a text just saying, you know, hey, I, uh, I know I'm not the easiest guy to deal with and that that's not your favorite element of the job, but I appreciate um, your willingness to engage and all the time and effort you made to, uh, to answer questions and explain things. I wish the best uh, to you and your family and I'll see you down the road. I didn't hear back from him and I didn't expect to hear back from him Uh, in terms of what happens with the relationship. I don't, I don't think that, uh, you know, he he and I weren't doing a lot of talking outside of the framework of the general media availability. Periodically, he would return a text and was helpful, but um, I I don't really envision, you know, maybe I, I would imagine if he gets another job and he might wind up being offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns here, you know, I'll see him at the combine in the hallway, and I'll try to say hello and and thank him in person, and and see what's left there. But uh, you know, there are plenty of coaches I've dealt with over the years who I still talk to, and there are plenty I don't. And I I would suspect he'll be on the side of don't, and that's fine. That's his prerogative. I understand he wouldn't be particularly fired up to to maintain any kind of relationship with a reporter that he didn't feel like was. Uh, I suspect he didn't feel like was an ally.
1: Well, speaking of many coaches throughout the years, how is that relationship different or how does it compare to how it was for you after Jeff Fisher, Munchak, and Wizenhunt left?
0: Yeah. I mean, each one different. Jeff Fisher, when he left, you know, I had covered uh him for a, for a long, long time and uh knew him quite well. And uh we had a, a long standing relationship. And, and the day he had that press conference where he said goodbye, I was really feeling like I needed to, you know, have some sort of formal <laughs> goodbye with him. And I didn't, uh, you know, have a chance to say anything. And I think I called him three or four days later to, to thank him and everything. And he was very kind of ho-hum about it. Like, you know, as if nothing uh, would change. He wasn't going to be a day-to-day person for me, or, or, but uh, certainly, you know, we've remained cordial over the years to the degree that, uh, you know, he's visited with us uh, in the midday 180 at the combine and stuff like that when he was coach of the Rams and he visited with Hutton and I before the Titans Rams game at the end of this season, spent an hour with us at the Titans pro shop, telling old stories and the like. And so, uh, We've got a pretty friendly relationship. Munchak, I did not think was a very good head coach, Um, but I did cover him for a long time as an assistant coach. Uh, I respect him a great deal. He's a a brilliant offensive line guy, and um, you know it's not like we were talking on any regular basis after he left, but uh, once I became a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee, I had occasion to reconnect with him, and he's been helpful to me. Um, in talking about not just offensive linemen but defensive linemen, who he went against, so he's given me uh, a great deal of uh, of feedback to help me make judgments with. Wizenhunt, obviously, I had the, the most contentious relationship with because he had the least success. But you know, he's returned a text or two. He gave me a quote when they were when the Chargers were coming back to play in the preseason ahead of the Titans. I visited with him in the locker room in there then and. You know, if I'll see him around the combine or the Super Bowl or something like that, and, and we're cordial, but uh, he's not helping me uh, a, a great deal with stuff either. Uh, and basically, what you've just confirmed there is that I'm pretty old because I've got uh, <laughs> just off the Titans alone four former head coaches now to discuss, and that's uh, in addition to um, you know the people that I've uh, covered in Jacksonville, in uh, in Houston. In, in Indianapolis during my, my four or five years as a divisional guy for ESPN.com.
1: Well, fast-forwarding in this timeline to Monday afternoon, General Manager John Robinson decided to hold a press conference. What did you feel going into that press conference needed to be answered for the fans, for the players, for the media members, for everyone involved in this Titans organization? By the
0: way, if you're hearing text chimes or email chimes, I thought that i turned that off. So you're getting ambient sound if you're hearing those from you know making this feel more real or maybe they're madisons are you chiming over there
1: i'm no i'm just gonna say mine are completely I'm gonna, off i'm, I'm, I'm gonna blame
0: it on madison i think they're coming that's from her all, side. Okay. all madison so we'll teach her she's young we'll we'll we'll, we'll groom her <laughs> we'll get her up to snuff um don't throw me under the bus no, that's what i do i i what questions needed to be answered by john robinson you know the the big question there was why. Uh, Why they parted ways with Mike Munchak. And it became pretty clear that he did not think that this coaching staff was maximizing, he used that word six times in 22 minutes, he was not maximizing the skill sets and the abilities of the players, starting with Mariota. Now, Marcus Mariota was dinged up this year. He had a hamstring, he had a knee. He had a quad in the last game. I reported that his surgically repaired lower leg slash ankle were still a, a problem for him along the way, and he might need a cleanup procedure eventually. Um, all of the, there were all kinds of factors. Look, uh, you know, Delaney Walker dropped two touchdown passes or, or, or Rashard Matthews dropped one and, and Corey Davis fumbled one at the goal line. And, uh, you know, things happened that made it harder for Marcus. He also made a lot of bad decisions and you would think he would have been coached better. And the scheme was just not – look, I'm not saying you run his college spread offense by any means. I believe you've got to be a pocket passer at crucial moments in a game, and I believe that Mariota can be a pocket passer at crucial moments of a big game. But you've got to expand the envelope for him. And what for me was telling was Malarkey was saying – see, he's saying what you want everybody to say but it's not believable when he says, we're not asking anybody to do something they can't do. And I flipped that question and said, you're not asking him to do things he can't do. Are you asking him to do everything he can do? And he said yes to that, which is just nonsense. I think he believes it though. And so I'm somewhat sympathetic to him there. He's rigid and he's uh stuck, stuck to his ways. And I just think, he really believes that he did some of those things um, to a degree that he didn't, and I think we're going to see him from the next guy to a degree uh, that that people can't imagine, given the context of what we see. The other things we wanted to know then, you know, about how long um, how long this process is going to take, how many guys are going to be involved. You know, no definitive answers on that, nor should we have.
1: Do you think that a lot of this decision was made around quarterback Marcus Mariota?
0: Yeah, I I think, um, you know, this is Marcus is going into year four. His time is now and, uh, he's, he's got to get better. And he, I think he needs to be involved in this decision. Not that he's saying who should be hired and not, but I, I wrote this week. He needs to go to John Robinson and put everything on the table. Here's what I really feel good about. Here's what I really have a hard time with. Here's what I think is, is realistic that we can do running-wise. Here's what I think of, of the receivers, guy by guy, on on and on. And you know, is all of it going to influence what Robinson does? No, but it'll give him all the information. You know, It's better that he have all of the information and kind of go from there in terms of uh, what he's doing because this hire is more about Marcus Mariota than anything. And uh, even if it's a defensive guy, um, you know, he's going to be hiring the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach who are going to be overseeing what the Titans hope for the next, you know, 8, 10, 12 years of a Marcus Mariota career. Um, so we will see what happens there.
1: Well, and Robinson actually said that Malarkey's press conference influenced a lot of that decision. And I feel like your questions definitely influenced Malarkey's comments. Any any effect there do you see do you feel like you had any bearing on what
0: I'm no holding? i mean uh, uh, i am doing my job and my job in that room now is, is for the zone and for uh, members of paul who want me to ask the things that need to be asked and uh, that's what i did i asked the things that needed to be asked and i asked some follow-up i'm hardly the only person that asked them I probably took a little bit more control of that press conference, making sure that I got to to several of the things I felt like he had to answer, Um, you know, with regard to Rabisky, with regard to the staff, with regard to failure to maximize uh, Mariota's stuff. But um, it's not the questions that that determined his fate uh, or had any kind of hand in determining his fate or any ingredient in his fate. It's his answers that had – some kind of ingredient, uh, some kind of, of bearing on his fate. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't celebrate that if I thought it was the case. And I don't think it's the case. I think Mark Malar- Mike Malarkey did some things to himself. Uh, I didn't do anything to him.
1: But you definitely are one of those reporters that ask the hard questions that fans want to know the answers to. Would you say that's what you strive to be?
0: Well, a, a lot of fans that will tell me like, you're our voice in there. And that's not what I'm striving to be at all. Uh, I will work hard never to ask a question that was asked in probably both of these press conferences about what these guys felt about what the fans feel or, or stuff like that. I think that's kind of amateurish. I mean, obviously, they're talking to their constituency when they're in a press conference like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's cheesy and amateurish to say, Mike, the fans out there really don't like your offense. What would you say to them uh, about that? I'm not going to talk to him about what the fans say about his offense. I'm going to talk to him about what I see and hear and want to know about his offense. And I think the people that are members here listening to this podcast are interested in what my questions are and the, and the answers. Um, that come there So I don't strive to be the voice of the fan Or the representative of the fan I strive to be a good reporter Who's asking questions That'll uh, either get good answers Or expose people For not having good answers And and then I strive to get the people Who want that stuff To be members of this site And to be listening to the Midday 180 uh, Weekdays now 10 to 2 uh, side plug there for Hutton and Winthrow and and uh, and me every day on 1045 the zone in Nashville.
1: So with all that being said, how do the Titans go forward now? How will this all work
0: for Robin? Well it's interesting, you know, he didn't even know necessarily who's going to be in the room for these interviews besides himself and Amy Adams Strunk. Now, he could have his right-hand man, Ryan Cowden, in there, the personnel guy. He could have Vin Marino, the executive who, or, or, who deals with contracts in there. Um, it, that'll be interesting to see. Kenneth Adams, you know, uh, might want to be in there. I think it would be up to Robinson whether, um, a- Amy's nephew, who owns a third but has given her control of his third, would want to be in there. Um, so that remains to be seen. Reports are that Mike Vrabel will be in the building on Wednesday for an interview, the first one. And LaFleur, the offensive coordinator from the Rams, who was, um, uh, you know, helped with Jared Goff's Renaissance, second year Renaissance under Sean McVeigh, will be in on Thursday. We know that Steve Wilkes of the Carolina Panthers will also be a candidate. Uh, and then we spec- speculated on a, on a lot of others. T uh, Filippo from Philadelphia being one. Frank Reich from Philadelphia being one. Uh, Jim Schwartz potentially also from Philadelphia. If you're a Titans fan, it'd probably be good for you. If the Eagles do not advance to the Super Bowl, making some of those guys available. Um, Josh McDaniels, we don't know if it's a done deal with Indianapolis. NFL Network has reported that hard, but um, we don't know if that's uh, in fact a done deal yet. They're not allowed to make it officially a done deal until uh, McDaniels is done for the season. So uh, we'll be interested to see the list as it grows. And, uh, you know, I think he's not going to hurry. He's going to take his time. He's going to make sure he talks to everybody. I think there'll be a surprise in there, maybe a college coach, uh, maybe one that we've, we've thought about, maybe one that we haven't. I love David Shaw at Stanford. I I don't think you could get him to move here, but I'd certainly take a stab. Uh, And and those are some of the people I'd want them to talk to beyond the people that uh, that have been reported so far. We are going to uh, take a pause here and tell you um, that was for everybody, and that's available at iTunes through Apple. But if you want the rest of the juice that's coming, you've got to be a member of PaulKuharski.com. Madison is. She's a diehard. She subscribed for it. You you took the life subscription, didn't you? I did. Life subscription, which most people don't even know is uh, available. It's kind of like a uh, secret society thing. So what we're going to do is we'll take a break here. We'll reconvene in just a minute. But you'll find the rest of this. Uh, at paulkuharski.com, available only for members. You'll hear about uh, my most recent rant in my home life. That's related to a sleeping issue. I'll tell you about what my most important quality in the next head coach has to be, and uh, we'll look into some specific issues with the offense and the defense moving forward, as well as maybe a story about how I angered some guys on special teams this season and what that was all about. You're listening to the Paul PaulKuharski.com podcast at PaulKuharski.com. You want the rest of it, you know you do. Sign up, become a member, flip over to the site, and get part two. Madison, we'll be right, right back. You ready? I'm ready. The Paul Kuharski podcast is a joint production of PaulKuharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's Now dot com